It's Wednesday, October 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Good to be here. It's nice out there, though. This is one of those let's have class outside kind of days. Can you do that? No, we we can't. If you had to do that today, do do you think you have the uh, capacity? To tape a podcast outside? Yeah. Had to do it. Uh, I mean, if your we... family's lives depend on this. Could you do? Do we have the equipment to do that? I'm looking at Dan Boyd behind the glass. He's nodding. I mean, yeah. I mean, Dan's a you wizard. You could save your family's lives sure. if you had to. If that, I don't know what scenario, uh, what series of events I'm take place. I'm just asking hypothetical questions here. Yeah, that's you're the one who brought up going outside. I'm a... trying to help you. <laughs> Uh, Not, I mean, by endangering your family, right? Yeah. Granted, I'll put that aside. I've kind of scared you into finding this information out, but you you got it, Dan. Yeah, we could do it. We can make it happen if we need to. Would that be a like useful thing for your audience? I don't know. I think uh, it depends on how windy it would be. If it's windy, well, you know, if you ever watch like um, college game day on ESPN, if they're you know they're they're outside, they're on a college campus. And it's fun. You got the fans in the you background. You think your adoring fans will oh, be no. behind you? No, uh, that's uh, the good example. This, <laughs> this is an example where it's like uh, there's ambient sound. Who of, are those people? <laughs> Why are they yeah. speaking into microphones? Yeah, let's yeah. attack them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the dangerous mean streets of Alexandria. You'd be endangering yourself uh, and you, as it turns <laughs> out. I wasn't offering to be on this show. Oh yeah, trust me, man. If, if we're outside, if I'm outside, How about Moser, you're outside with me. You need somebody that can like back you up in a fight. And Jason, who's that going to be? Out of out of your regulars, Dan Boyd. Dan that's Boyd. Who, that's yes, who it is. It's not you. Boyd. It's not Moser. It's certainly not me. But who Dan, would it be? It'd be Boyd. Who's, I know it would be. Who's going to mess with him? I mean, behind the mic, kind of talent. Uh, Talent in air quotes, by the way. So who's who's likely? Who's sort of the toughest? I'm going to go maybe like a Brian Hinman. Hinman, sure. And also from from the Full Funds universe, and and he rarely makes an appearance, but he has made a couple of appearances. Nate Weiser. Weiser. Weiser is just you know he's he's strong. What about Charlie Travers? Absolutely, former hockey player Charlie Travers. Don't you think back in the day, Charlie probably dropped the gloves once in a while? I don't even think back in the day. I think, you know. <laughs> How many listeners have already turned off the podcast because they're just, ah, oh, I'll just listen to tomorrow's episode. Oh, we'll listen to business news instead of they've tuned to Bloomberg. Oh, please don't. Please don't abandon us for Bloomberg. We, we apologize. We're sorry. We'll, we'll get On to the topic, please, Chris. We've got some earnings news from Constellation Brands. They're crushing it. Uh, we've got some some more news in the ongoing saga of Budweiser and SAB Miller. Um, let's start with the dumpster fire that is Yum Brands, because third quarter results came in much lower than expected on the profit side, on the sales side, and if you want to be if you want to look for a silver lining and say, well, they grew sales in China, two same sort of sales in China, up two percent. You can do that, but the reality is that everyone was expecting a much better quarter, particularly out of China. Yeah, China was expected to be, I think, nine uh, percent uh, same store sales, nine ten percent, and that's in part because it's working off some lower numbers. Uh, over the last couple of years, because of some of the problems that they've had with the sourcing of their food, uh, in in the uh, 
tainted uh, chickens and things like that, that they've had. So, not good numbers. I listened to a little bit of the conference call, and management uh, pointed the fingers uh, straightly at themselves. So, let's take a silver lining as being management is taking responsibility for the miss here. They are secondarily, uh, and I, I want to emphasize secondarily, pointing to softness in China consumer purchasing right now. So, there's not uh, that's not necessarily news. Every one of these data points that comes out of China makes you a little bit more concerned uh, over there. But primarily, they're saying that they're just not getting the messaging uh, and the marketing right on their brands. I don't think anyone would argue against China's economy slowing. But when you look at the numbers that Nike just put up, when you look at the numbers that Apple consistently puts up, and I realize they're in different businesses, but come on. I mean, how many more quarters are we going to have where Yum Brands talks about, well, this is a one time event? You know, they've had, they've had not, they've had two or three significant poultry sourcing problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wrote this on Twitter last night. And I'm 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 curious what you think of this. Are we sure that the KFC brand in China is not permanently damaged? Are we sure that that they're, that Chinese consumers have not just have basically looked at a couple of years worth of poultry problems and have made the decision I'm going to eat somewhere else? Yeah, we're not sure. I would say on the one side you've got an experienced and impressive management team from Yum, which has grown the uh, sales in China to very impressive levels over the last several years, even given the hiccups. Uh, on the other side, you do have food scandals, really, and it's a fair fight between those two. And right now, you're seeing two percent improvement uh, in comps, which is mild improvement. It is not the kind of improvement which investors have been expecting and are entitled to expect based on what they were hearing and hearing recently, as as recently as August, from Yum about how sales uh, were going there. So, partially a slowdown since mid-August, partially, as management says, and let's you know not only give them credit but give them responsibility. Their mistakes. Uh, So, are they permanently damaged? I don't know. I'm not in China. I think they're permanently damaged in some people's minds here because of trends in fast food sales and health and uh, you know organic movements and and things like that. Uh, but I, I think they've got a longer leash in China, but they're not they're not convincing anybody today as they have not in many of the recent quarters. Yeah, the stock down about 18% this morning. It was having a pretty good year up until yeah. 24 hours ago. We um, used to own this in in one of the funds and sold it about 2-3 years ago and I was just looking at what price we sold it and what price it is today and it's back down to the price we sold it at 2 or 3 years ago. So it they've been doing this sort of pattern of having a, a terrible story come out stock plummets, drifting back up because, after all, Yum! Impressive company uh, has really done well for shareholders over the last decade. Uh, but then, uh, you know, the results come out and, and it drops back down again. China's the biggest market that Yum! Brands has, uh, somewhere around half or maybe a little more of half uh, uh, of all sales come from KFC and Pizza Hut in China. The U.S. is the second biggest market. 
Taco Bell put up some nice numbers in the U.S. Comps up around four percent. Um, I'm I'm assuming it's um, it's way too early to tell uh, how this cantina uh, concept is going to work for them. Did, was there any talk? too too early in that it hasn't started yet? Well, you mean? The, haven't or? they been testing it in Chicago? Haven't they like yeah. the alcohol sales and that sort of it's, thing? Was there any talk on the on the call that so you were so small? I, I I didn't catch all the call, and uh, there there may have been. Uh, I, I it is too early. Yes, have you tried it? Uh, no. Will you ever? Uh, if they roll it out nationally, sure, I'd give that a shot just to the see. Drinking at it part. <laughs> like, how badly can they make you know go wrong on that? I don't know. I mean, I've had bad margaritas in my life before. I mean, it's it's not a complicated drink, and yet, like anything else, if you don't have good ingredients, then it just doesn't taste that good. Um, let's stick with alcohol. Constellation Brands has a portfolio of beer. And wine and spirits, and it is the beer segment that is really getting it done uh, for the second quarter. Beer up fourteen percent year over year. Um, that's that's really carrying the day for them. I mean, the wine, the wine and spirit sales, they weren't bad, but they were essentially flat year over year. Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's always something working, and when you've got a diversified portfolio, that's that's the theory for investors in general and for uh, companies at times and and Constellation Brands, I think, better known for wine in a lot of ways than than beer. But Modelo uh, was a big, and Corona both uh, very good quarters, and that seems to be working out very well. Uh, this is function of growing Latin population in the U.S., uh, preferring those brands over many of the other choices that there are, and also American consumers. Apparently, trading up uh, to these brands from uh, less premium brands than Modelo and, and Corona. Corona has had a very effective ad campaign for a long time now. You don't, you would not know what what that translates to in the taste. Have you ever had one? You do. You've, no. You have like total number of beers in your life. Um, I, I I don't even. It's none of us have kept count, but yeah, you, no, you, you I, would have a better shot at it because you you don't right. like beer. I yeah, I don't even remember the last time I even had a sip of a beer. I mean, that's how long it's been. So, yeah. I but, but as I've said before, I, you know, I don't need to drink beer. I I drink plenty of other no things. No one needs to drink beer. <laughs> Unfortunately, for all the companies we're about to talk about, but but fortunately for them, a lot of people do drink beer. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and, Constellation Brands gets a nice quarter out of that, and it's been a been a good company. And as I say, they've got a lot of wine sales that are doing okay as well. Uh, the, you look at this stock. I mean, Constellation Brands shares up more than fifty percent over the past year. How expensive is this stock, or is this is this one that you sort of look at and go, "Oh no, this they've got some room to run here." I, I think that in uh, the case of Constellation Brands, it's trading up right near its 52-week high. Not many stocks can say that at the moment. Consumer staple kind of thing uh, has a little bit more predictability and recent execution, so it gets points for that. But as you say, at a price to earnings of 30 right now, it's not the kind of thing that I would be interested in unless there's a lot more to the story than meets the eye. As as Somebody who helps run portfolios that at one time held Constellation Brands. I'm sorry that we sold it, 
but uh, that's that's uh, what happens when you are too uh, concerned about valuation at times. So it's it's done very well. I don't think it's got any investors that are nervous uh, about it today as as a business. But yeah, it's it's been rewarded pretty healthily for for execution right now. Yeah, I mean they just put up this really nice quarter, and the stock was only up about you know half a percent or one percent earlier this morning. But then. You look at the run it's had, and it's you know you, you can't be you can't be too upset if you're a shareholder. No, after the run it's had, in part, what you're looking for is to preserve those gains uh, rather than get uh, especially rewarded for them. Up up fifty percent on the year. That's uh, that is a a limited number of companies and stocks that can say that this year. Anheuser Busch InBev has. Upped its offer to buy SAB Miller again. This is the largest beer company in the world attempting to buy the second largest beer company in the world. They upped their bid to $104 billion. It's their third bid, and it got rejected. Is the, are we done now? Is this is this going I, away, or do you think this is? I don't think we're done here. I think you've got Altria being the biggest shareholder of SAB Miller, and liking that price and and supporting it. So I think that if 27% at least of the shareholders are in support of uh, this bid, we haven't heard the end of it. It, it. it makes sense to combine these things in the sense that there can be plenty of cost savings from merging these uh, advertising, uh, lots of efficiencies that I'm sure uh, can be wrung out of all this. I don't know that. Other than that, it, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. But it, cost cutting for Imbev is is something they could do here, and uh, it would uh, help uh, help them get a little some more coverage in Africa. Uh, so I I think we will. I don't think we've heard the end of it. How long do you think? Let's assume Budweiser goes back with a fourth bid. It gets you know it gets bumped up again. It um, it gets accepted. How long before? It actually gets executed because, as we've talked about before, I mean, anytime you've got the biggest company in an industry looking to buy the second biggest company in an industry, that's when the the Attorney General of the United States starts to get curious and say, "Well, wait a minute, let's 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 look at the competitive landscape here." I mean, there, everyone is assuming, and I think rightly so, that if this happens, there will be spinoffs. There yes. will, you know, there will be. You know, it's like, okay, we'll we'll let you. Create this beer behemoth, but you've got to shed some of your brands to other beer makers. Yeah, I think the most commonly assumed part of that equation is that Molson Coors, a joint venture with them, would would be uh, spun off from from SAB Miller. I I don't know how all the moving parts in this would be rearranged so that it complies with U.S. concerns. Uh, I really don't see. It as being uh, insoluble, there are plenty of beer choices out there. There will be just as many after a merger. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be terribly uh, concerned that uh, Americans will just not be able to find choice in beer if, if this <laughs> if this goes through. There's never been more choice, right? That's true. I, I guess maybe somebody could point out data from some age when there were actually more. Local beers and more choices available and things like that, but there's the explosion of microbreweries and uh, all gives there's if anything too much choice. If you're wondering about the business of fantasy football 
and the health of that business. Here's where we are now. We have, uh, in the case of DraftKings and FanDuel, which the last time we checked in on these two companies, uh, they were both given enormous bags of money from the likes of venture capital firms, as well as companies like Comcast and Fox. Um, Now, we've got inquiries from not one, but two congressional committees, uh, an inquiry from the Federal Trade Commission, and now the New York State Attorney General has opened an an official investigation um, into the business practices of DraftKings and FanDuel. You're an attorney. How much trouble are these guys in? I don't know how much legal trouble they are going to be in for what has occurred uh, if it was one employee violating company policy and using some data that uh, was not yet public and and using it on another site that may well uh, endanger his career, uh, I think. But I, I can't tell you how, how much trouble they're in legally, but from a regulatory standpoint, I think uh, a great deal that this will call more regulation uh, up, and that is not what these companies wanted. Yeah, I mean, we, the congressional investigations, as I understand them, are uh, based on the question isn't this really gambling? How is this any different from gambling? And as you said, and this is what I think was the tipping point for the AG in New York, is the fact that you have an employee of DraftKings who apparently used all of this data that was gathered to then win $350,000 on FanDuel. And apparently, allegedly, an employee at FanDuel did basically the same thing. Went over to DraftKings, used all of the data that he was able to access through this massive database, and uh, was just you know has just been winning money hand over fist at DraftKings. So, the, whereas maybe a month or two ago, the question for these two companies seemed to be how quickly can they go public? <laughs> yeah, and then people will get to cash out. Um, now I think I, I don't think they're going to make it to the finish line. Yeah, you as a analyst have opened as as we discussed. You've initiated coverage on these two companies with a strong sell. A very as I strong, understand a that. very strong sell. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't see how they're not going to do their investment banking with you because with you're you're advising investors to sell them. Yeah, I mean, initially, just as a as someone who watches sports, I was struck, as I'm sure many people were struck by, just. The bombardment of commercials, yeah, the omnipresence. You, you, you of, couldn't of, you couldn't listen to a podcast or a radio. Uh, you can't uh, listen to this podcast without <laughs> being inundated with coverage of these companies. Yeah, but we're not doing ads for them. This no, is, you're slamming them. Yeah, uh, and I'm not helping them out either. Uh, well, yes, it's it's a problem for their businesses, especially if the business plan was to go public. In the midst of a lot of investor enthusiasm for look at these numbers, look at the revenues, uh, look at the growth, project that growth out. This is a rather big uh, stumbling block. I think they'll get around it. I think ultimately people like gambling. I think that it is it is gambling it is gambling with skill. You know, I mean, it's like online poker, which there are lots of ways that the initial models try to get around 
the existing regulations and the regulations catch up and then things go forward. But there's going to be more regulation than there was. Absolutely. Um, Before we wrap up, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that finally, our fantasy team, Omar Cummins, finally won a game. People have been waiting. People have been waiting for this. Oh my! After the intro, we can't we can't bog down for another We're not long bog indulgence down. on on ourselves and our colleagues. No, but but uh, as as we as we have previously discussed, the excitement that we not only won a game but we won the week. We amassed the most points of anyone in our league for the week. That was quickly dampened when we realized we are still dead last. We, even with the big win, we are still DFL. I think we can all agree that we have not cheated enough. That we need like the good people at the, the bad people at Sport uh, DraftKings to help us out with their inside information because we don't have any. I think we. I think we know what our next phone call is. <laughs> There are probably some people looking for a job. They could consult on our team. There you go. We'll pay them more than zero. No. I mean, will we? Yeah, we'll buy them coffee. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to foolfunds.com, sign up for declarations, which is absolutely free. The monthly newsletter from Bill Barker, Bill Mann, and the entire Fool Funds team. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.